1: Visit sprout.ph slash monthly 5 k If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this
0: episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by PDATs. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax. Also powered by... PodMachine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HustleShare to get one free edit.
2: I knew that I needed to surround myself with people that knew stuff better than me, right? I can't work with people that I need to instruct because I need their experience, their knowledge, and their voice, right, to also come in.
0: Welcome to HustleShare, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Yong
1: Welcome to the latest episode of Adult Share Podcast. I finally got one here. I've been talking to this guy since, man, when was it? Last year, Generation T with Packler right that's where we we literally first met and we've been talking to get get, get him on the show but it's either he's too busy or i'm just neck deep (laughs) doing things but finally the stars have aligned not just because you know i'm hungry of course i am always but they just raised three million dollars for their series a so without further ado let's welcome to the show the founder and CEO of Craver's Canteen, Mister Victor Lim. <laughs> hey, hey!
2: Yeah, I mean, thanks so much for having me on the show. I've been, uh, you know, dying to to come on, as you said. So I'm I'm happy we have the chance now to, to talk.
1: <laughs> Finally, my man. Again, um, I've had an amazing chance of actually eating and ordering, obviously, your food, and also I'm not sure if those were limited edition, but they're. A couple months ago, we had a couple of um, startup events, and they just threw some wild tacos that I cannot forget, <laughs> I'm a sucker <laughs> for Mexican food, um, that they just did. But before I get carried away, Victor, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Victor, what's your hustle? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, so you know we run uh, a, a cloud kitchen here in the Philippines called Graver's Canteen. Um, you know it's uh, i guess we started out in, in in 2020 and you know really trying to figure out what cloud kitchen It was all very new and you know, we were just starting to see it pop up around the world um and yeah i mean obviously the the philippines is growing very quickly in the last even you know 5 10 years kind of the, the whole digitalization and you know all of these great startups coming up um, so yeah i mean it was it was, it was a good time to kind of explore this as a as a whole i guess so Um, Yeah, I mean, basically what we do at Cravers, uh, you know, we we help brands operate and sell food online. Um, So, you know, uh, whether it's the aggregators like Grab or Food Panda or their own channels, um, it's really kind of just being able to enable these brands to go online.
1: That's amazing. And again, good luck to me as we talk about all this food. I hope I survive (laughs) the next hour trying to figure out how I'm going to be able to salivate and not eat the mic in front of me because I love <laughs> that is food and I, I, that is my quick weakness but again we have food coming up in the way but my man I need you to buckle up because I need to understand how your hustle started but again pick, pick a couple of tacos along the way we need to buckle up because we're going to have to ride <laughs> the hustle share time machine all righty There you go. Again, um, we are all the way back. But before we talk about Cravers, I've been stalking you on LinkedIn for a couple of days now (laughs) to understand how y'all grew up, right? But I want to know your origin story, how you were influenced to be an entrepreneur or what your early hustles growing up.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm Korean American. I was born and raised uh, in Chicago. Uh, Midwest
1: (laughs) town right (laughs) there.
2: Yeah, so a drastic change compared in the in the weather. Um, so you know, this has definitely been one of the harder parts coming here. Yes. Um, Windy
1: city to just heat on heat on heat. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh
2: yeah, so I guess um, you know, when I was in school, I was studying, you know, marketing, international business management. I always knew that I was gonna leave the states, um, you know, and kind of explore opportunities around the world. Uh no specific intentions at the time, just to get out, right? Um, and so the original goal was to leave, you know, for at least five years. Um, and so uh, at the time, I was working at a at an education tech startup in Chicago um, when I heard first heard about Zalora that popped up. Uh, and so I was uh, actually part of the early team there in Zalora, that was the first time that I had left um, the country, but I was in Indonesia, not here in the Philippines.
1: Apakabar um, right there. <laughs>
2: yeah, so I was there for a couple of years, um, you know, and, and so that was, I guess, well, yeah, my first startup was an education tech startup that, I, you know, was, while I was still in school, um, which did okay, ended up with a small acquisition. Um, but then Zalora was really the first time that I had seen kind of the the scale and opportunity of uh, uh, particularly Southeast Asia, right? and and uh, the opportunity to build stuff here. Um, which is really cool. I mean, very exciting, very different compared to you know Chicago or the states, um, uh, you know where I guess you're more of a a cog in a, in a greater you know um, kind of establishment, I guess, sort of. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so so I was there with Zalora uh, in Indonesia for a while. Um, And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I I loved what I was doing there. Eventually they created this, uh, you know, the global entity called Global Fashion Group, which basically connected, you know, all of the Zaloras around the world that were started by Rocket Internet, um, 27 countries at the time. Um, And and they created this parent group. And so I was one of the first uh, employees to be brought up into that new um, parent group, the global group there in Singapore. So I was in Singapore for a couple of years. Uh, really, my 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 challenge or my task there was to go around the different countries and and kind of study the the tech ecosystem there and how the Zalora learnings and you know, use cases really can be applied into those markets. Um, so a lot of a lot of traveling. Um, spent a couple months in Argentina, a couple months in Russia, um, Colombia wow. as well. So. Um, yeah, I mean, fun times, great, great experiences. Uh, you know, I love to travel. I got to, you know, really spend a lot of time outside of, the, you know, different countries in, in different tech startups, which is very, very cool, um, which was actually then what led me to my next job, which was, um, you know, I, I moved to London with my partner. Um, and uh, when I when I left GFG and I actually tried to do my own uh, travel tech startup. Um, oh, wow. so I, I, We were there in London. I had founded my first company there. Um, you know to combine all my passions and you know all of those different things um so yeah i was there in london for a couple of years uh pretty pretty cool, pretty fun um but you know not necessarily the greatest place or the easiest place to to build a startup um you know loved my time there but uh you know uh, you know they say every great entrepreneur has a couple of you know missed notches in their belt so you know that was my my missed notch let's say um but it all worked out which is then how I ended up here in the Philippines, um, you know, after after my time there in London. Uh, We're actually, originally I was with Coins.ph, um, you know, for, for for about a year or so uh, until I left that to do the, um, this, Cravers Canteen, uh, which is then the second startup now that I founded.
1: All right, so That's an amazing outline, but I I'm not gonna let you go and just give me the whole gist because the way we do it here (laughs) in Hustle Hustle Share is really go deep and understand how you built every single step that you created. So I'll I'll just track back. So being an Asian American, right, growing up in whatever community you're you're part of, right? Somehow, some way there's always a bamboo ceiling, right? You're you're part of the minority, it's not an equal opportunity for for you to, to thrive and survive. Though meritocracy does exist, at least in the states, or uh, you know, a, a semblance of it. But was there a chip on your shoulder being an Asian American? You know, uh, especially growing up in the Midwest. You know, that's as uh, that's the heartland of the states, right there. <laughs> and that as American as American can be, right? But what was that like growing up? And was there the other thing that a lot of Asian Americans, as well, uh, have to overcome? Is this the this, the path that Asian American parents, especially immigrants, like to force onto their children, like, okay, you need to only be like this, or you need to study hard and whatnot. And it's tough to break that mold sometimes. What was that like for you?
2: Yeah. So, you know, as far as the, you know, kind of chip on the shoulder, um, you know, kind of being, uh, for me, you know, being Asian American, I guess never really felt so much like a burden. Um, I guess I was fortunate in, in that right um, you know and uh, maybe it was the communities I was in maybe it was uh, kind of like I don't know a lot, a lot of different reasons I suppose um, but uh, yeah I mean so so growing up my my parents were not I suppose the typical um you know, try to try to push certain ideas onto their children, certain things. They, they really wanted to give us space to kind of do our own thing and figure out who we were. Um, so I'm one of four kids. Um, my, my, my parents actually flew to the States one month before I was born, which is oh, now wow. illegal. It wasn't at the time, but now illegal. <laughs> um, so just in time. So I was fully born natural American. Um, but yeah, no. So basically, you know, they, they came uh, literally one month before I was born. Um, and they stayed until uh, basically three days after they dropped me off in college, they, they jetted off back to Korea um, and <laughs> went back. So it was really very much for, for, for us as kids to have our education there in the States. Um, you know, they, they actually specifically didn't want us to, you know, to know the korean culture where it is very much like that you know everyone kind of goes into you know pushing them into certain fields certain things um they wanted to give us a bit more kind of uh flexibility in our life so in in that sense i mean definitely very blessed um and, and very fortunate to have an upright upbringing like that um so yeah i mean uh we we all grew up pretty different um my the eldest brother uh studied law um the second one ended up becoming a counselor um like uh, for for students um and then the third just became a doctor um and so me uh being i guess the, the business one um you know very different industries uh, my dad was a pastor of all things um and my mom was a housewife so very very different kind of <laughs> uh you know kind of different family dynamics all together between the six of us um so i mean in that sense i guess my my family definitely wasn't uh uh, normal, so to speak,
1: <laughs> that's amazing, but again that, that, that's that's lucky of you for you to have that that um you're not being forced into a career path or a, again a, a mold that the typical Asian Americans are being forced to sometimes. But I'll just jump off now to your rocket internet uh, sure. hustle because again, um kaya founders even have this term for y'all who are who've been, and I, i'm I'm one too actually. I work in Groupon. I was just also a rocket. Oh, nice. Thing. So it's a second generation startup founder. That's what uh, what Paolo Campos likes to call it, right? Um, for you to really leave home and, you know, the, the familiarity of the Midwest, you know, windy city, harsh winters, <laughs> summers and whatnot. And of course, deep dish pizza that you got to leave now, uh, which you can't can't get here anymore, um, except for tomorrow. I'm um, not kidding. There you go. <laughs> if you all have deep dish, <laughs> sign me up. There you go. But um, one thing that I really want to zero in is how does one get into a rocket internet type of hustle? Because rocket internet has been very formative for a lot of Founders now who are thriving in the startup ecosystem, especially here in the Philippines, um, because that really opens you up not just to certain markets, but how to actually be a good operator. Borderline, you know, like it's super crazy, but a lot of people that have been to Rocket are just thriving now. How is that like uh, to get into Rocket?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I think getting into Rocket is, uh, well, at the time, I mean, definitely when, you know, they they were really making headway in Southeast Asia, they, you know, they blitzed all of those major e-commerces all at once. Um, uh, You know, I think getting in wasn't so hard, um, you know, in the sense that there's uh, plenty of space and plenty of interest for, uh, you know, this kind of talent, the tech talent to come in and, you know, um, and, and, you know, and you know, and these startups are very keen to bring these people in. The tough part is making the decision to consciously go, right? So even coming from a, a, a very small startup in school and you know, um traveling to Indonesia where I ended up, you know, still in a pretty senior position, uh, you know, I took less than 50% of my salary, right? I was moving across to a completely different place in the world and uh, the benefits are all different, you know, it, it's more just the fact that I I knew what I was signing up for, right? Which was uh you know to eat uh crap for a little while right and 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 eat crap but learn a lot right and and you know for me that's what i feel like really anyone who survived the early year i mean even now maybe uh, everybody survived the rocky years uh has been through that right they understand that you know it's not easy you have to do everything brick by brick you have to swallow some crap sometimes to 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 get to where you need to go right um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it's definitely a challenging environment, you know, the turnover rate in rocket companies do tend to be very high because, yeah, they're demanding really a lot from you, right? And they're, they're really squeezing every single juice out of the, the, their employees, right? And making sure that they get every penny's worth, right? Um, but somehow that, that really makes you stronger, right? That makes you, it makes you appreciate it because you can see the growth of the company, you can have this impact. Right. And if you can swallow the fact that you're going to live broke for a couple of years, right, while you, you know, sort these things out and get these experiences, then, you know, worth it. Right. Um, to, to be able to jumpstart and, and to be able to do you know, pretty big things um, and, and have the opportunity to shine. Right. They'll, they'll give you plenty of that. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's the way I see it is really like a, a very tough
1: boot camp. Right. Right. Absolutely. And again, that's, that's, that's what entrepreneurs are built out of, right? We, we, we weren't, you know, we weren't born. We were built out of fire and a lot of failure and a lot of hustling. So a lot of the kids sometimes right now think that things are going to be given to them. And man, I don't even understand it. I don't know if you ever heard of this. Um, there's even this thing called the anti-hustle culture now. It's like, what, the fuck is that <laughs> <even>? <laughs> what are you expecting? To achieve in life, if you know at an early stage, all you're talking about are boundaries, right? You got to learn how to push yourself to the limit. And that's what I want to find out from you from traveling from freaking Indonesia to Buenos Aires and in Argentina to Colombia to Russia and whatnot. What did you learn about yourself as you pushed yourself to those limits that you still carry with yourself now? Because those are formative years and borderline abusive towards yourself. But you make it out alive, and you will, because it's, that's basically, well, we see the result now. But in hindsight, what were those things you took out of those experiences traveling from suitcase to suitcase from country to country with, you know, long work hours and crazy hustle?
2: Yeah, so you know, I guess for me, less the travel aspect. For me, I mean, I even when I was traveling and working in Buenos Aires, I still had to work Singapore hours. I still had to, oh, wow, to deal that's with worse. all of these crazy, crazy <laughs> projects, right? Um, you know, so the traveling aspect despite all of that despite all of those challenges it was never a problem for me because i you know it was really what i love to do and it's really you know it's really a passion thing and you know i can't complain while i'm sitting there in buenos Aires having the best steak of my life right? right so um you know that that part was less i think what what kind of spurred things for me but really i think that the number one thing and i think this is always something that i had a, a mentality about maybe it's the american in me and um you know i guess they always kind of push this where in my head, I always ask, whenever I meet people, right? And and I, I try to ask, well, okay, what makes this person better than me, right? And um, and if they are better than me, then what am I lacking? How do I get up to that point, right? And so um, we're in the sense where it's more like a... I never wanted to be in the bottom. I, I the in the 90, 90 percentile. I've always wanted to push myself to be at the top, whatever percentile. So whenever I'm, you know, with a group of people, I've always questioned, okay, how do I how do I make myself, um, a, a, you know, better in different rights to be able to get up into that upper percentile, right? And so I, I I think that was really more what spurred me. And and being the then when I got into Rocket, when I was able to get direct exposure to you know managing directors and CEOs, group level, right, um. I would still ask those questions right I would still ask okay well what makes me different from the group CEO that has you know x amount of years coming from McKinsey and you know all of these like you know Harvard Business School and and all of these things right even if they have the credibility even if they have the background the experience that I don't have right still the question that I would say is okay well how do I get to the level as quickly as possible like what really makes me different from them right and most of the time right I mean if it really is someone I mean, there are really some people that you'll keep asking that question and you'll keep saying, well, I'm still short, I'm still short. And those right. are the people that you really want to spend a lot of time with. right? Exactly. Um, and so uh, I mean, pe- people, I mean, specifically, like one person that comes to my mind when I think about that are people like Paulo Campos, right? Like if you've ever spent time with him, really, it's it, there's always something that he has to contribute, right? Regardless of whatever level you're talking about, he really, you know, just kind of pushes you to become a better version, right? And I think that's really important to be surrounded by people like that, to be able to have that. Um, so, so Rocket was very cool for me because I got that exposure, right? I got to interact with really some of the best of the best of the best, right? People that went on to to establish, you know, pretty pretty awesome global things. Um, one of my other direct, um, you know, or one of my other bosses before, Magnus and Now he's, you know, the the founder and CEO of Antler, which is wow. in however many countries, building ventures, and you know, I mean, so so it's it, it, they it, really like there's really awesome great people that are coming out of these companies, and. I think as an employee, regardless of how old you are, regardless of your experience, if you have that type of exposure, you should just take advantage of it, right? Ask questions, challenge them, right? Challenge what they're saying. You don't always have to agree with them. And when you disagree with them, right, most often they'll say, no, but here's why. Here's why, basically why they're right, right? And, and, and they need to be able to defend it. They, they can defend it to you, right? And that's how you learn. Right, but if you always kind of just take things at face value and say, "Okay, well, okay, that's it. Okay, I'm doing it because I'm being told to do it." Then, yeah, I mean, it's hard to grow. Exactly. So for me, I I was very stubborn, right, in the sense that if I disagreed with you, I would, I would let you know, right, regardless of whoever it was, regardless of how senior they were at the time, right, or how junior I was at the time, right. So having that kind of uh, balls and you know no no fear type of thing i think is um a bit more american trait than it yeah. would be i guess native in, in filipinos but um yeah I, uh, you know those different kind of things those different um exposures definitely you know push me to
1: do more right absolutely and and you're absolutely correct because at the end of the day you wanna be punching always above your weight class because if you surround yep, yourself absolutely. with people who are just at your same level and man, the number says it all, right? You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you're gonna be taking in input and spend a lot of time with people who are not even making you better in your career and if you really have you know, uh, serious desires to be successful in life, you have to take those sacrifices to really take in time, input, you're going to be embarrassed a lot and you're probably going to cry a lot, but all of that sacrifice and hustle is going to be worth it down the road because you're eventually going to, that thing rubs off very fast,
2: Definitely,
1: right? The mindset, the hustle, the especially the point of view, right? Yeah. I, I had to go with that do that myself, man. I, I, was, um, and I was doing it here, but I had to spend a lot of time with a couple of mentors. I wasn't being even paid shit to really think in how to operate because if I'm just going to, and I come at a massive disadvantage coming from my, I'm just a normal Filipino, man. I didn't, (laughs) I didn't have international thing. I remember we are low middle class, but I had to give myself an edge. Was it easy? No, I wasn't even getting paid probably. Right. But I had to let go of the boundaries. And one thing that I also did, my man, I'm pretty sure you did this too is I didn't wait for fucking instructions. Yeah, I had never. to guess like, hey, what, what do you think about it? What do you do? Like, what, what do you do this? You have to assert yourself because if not, that person that I'm trying to get input from lacks time to do it. So I have to carve out time to, to, to get my, my piece, right? And I'm pretty sure yeah. you did that with a lot of those peeps that you did. But was there a time like that um, that you really strategically did in order to learn certain things that you really want to be good at?
2: yeah absolutely um i mean lots of different cases that i can think of um because i completely agree with you right i mean if you're dealing with if you're dealing with these crazy senior crazy you know like these, these industry leaders yeah they don't have time to, to hold your hand right yeah um so if you're gonna come to them asking for something you better be prepared right make it as simple as possible and say look this is all the other things i do can you just take a quick look at it right? And, right and 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 be it's easier to to correct somebody right um and so Definitely. I agree with you. Don't, don't wait for the instructions. Don't wait to be told what to do. There's so many things that you can do. Take the initiative. If they don't like it, you might've just done a bunch of work for no reason. Right. And that happens to me all the time, but it's okay. Right. I mean, I learned, I learned whether it was relevant or not. And if not, then I still learned how to do it. Right. Um, and, and it's still, you know, something that still adds value. It wasn't, Time wasted, right? Even though exactly. it doesn't you can feel like that, right? Mm. But even more than that, you know, I remember specifically. So when I had joined the global team, um, I was the most junior member of the, of the team by far. When I had joined, um, you know, the really it was it was they had chosen kind of the best of the best, and I was I was uh, you know fortunate enough to make that cut. But I was you know certainly one of the more, more junior members. Um, and I remember very early on um, one thing that I had pure, taken upon myself purely my own interest was i i volunteered at the end of every single team meeting i would write up very very diligent notes like very comprehensive notes um and i would always send them out after the meeting immediately after the meeting to all people right um and i did this back to back to back to back um, and i always volunteered to take notes i always like was that um for a couple reasons number one because it got me access then to all of these other meetings, right? Because then wow. suddenly if the managing director or whatever is saying, oh shit, okay, I need a note taker. Hey Victor, come come, come, come to this meeting with me and come take notes, right? Um, so number one, it got me all of this access and to be able to do all of these things, but number two, it gave me a reason to start asking all of these people very specific questions, right? Mm-hmm. So, even if the topic was about legal or finance or something that I didn't have experience, and if I would be taking notes, like, oh, oh, sorry, what did you say about this? Uh, oh, oh, okay, but that means, you know, and you can ask, you can ask for clarification, you can, you know, really jot it down because you have to take the notes, right? You, have, you have to be able to, 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 to report it back. So, you got to understand it to some degree. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, everyone on the team appreciates that nobody wants to take notes and, and send them out and organize it and do the formatting. Right. Right. Um, so it's a win win. I mean, and, and, and really that I think for sure that helped fast track really a lot of things for me because I really got exposure. Right. Which I think is so important early on.
1: All right. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's talk about Bucket and how that <laughs> hurt when you think, took their first leap of faith as an entrepreneur. Well, let's talk about that more after the break.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Hey, guys. I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. we're back in the break we are still with victor lin again who then told us how he was able to again accelerate his growth and i totally agree with everything that you said prior to the break because again when you look for mentors people don't come around walking on in the street and say hey i can be your mentor (laughs) When when you want a mentor you go and carve out time and ask specific questions and be prepared you don't come into a room and say, hey, can you be my mentor? And ask that mentor to tell you what to do. Nuh-uh. You need to be the one asking, here's my problem, what can I do? And what can I do and all that stuff. And obviously that turned out well, but I'll, I'll fast forward it a bit and talk about the failure because um, I felt that too. My first startup failed as well. So that hurts. But <laughs> with Bucket, what were you trying to do in London? And what were, I guess, the biggest learnings over how that startup failed and how did you bounce back from that?
2: Yeah. So never, never necessarily a fun topic, but, uh, important to, you know, get it out. Yep. <laughs> um, you no, know, so, so Bucket was, yeah, I mean, so I, I, I was, you know, traveling, I was in London. Um, you know, I wanted to do my own startup and I you know, definitely thought I was ready given all of the great exposures that I had and, you know, um, you know, a, a small war chest that I had saved up, um, you know, and so so it's fully funded by myself, fully kind of initiated, right? And, um, yeah, so so the basic idea was, um, you know, at the time, you know, there weren't uh, so many, I guess, travel apps. The ones that you'd be looking at would be, you know, the trip advisors or the yep. yelps or the you know, kind of the peer to peer review things, but then it's, it's just a lot of navigating and it's a lot of kind of, um, you know, trying to just figure out what you want to do right when the reality is you know when you travel a lot of these people like to keep track of these things right and um, where you've been they want to share their advice they want to share their experiences and you want to do it within a network of people that you trust right whether it's your friends or it's specific influencers or specific things like that so the idea of of bucket was really uh, to build a travel community where you could talk about the different you know the different things to do and they create different itineraries create different scheduling um, and, and to have all of these different functions to be able to, um, you know, the, the the short tagline, I guess, would be the automated travel concierge, right? So you say, oh, these are the things I like. I like, you know, going to museums. I like going to bars. I like going to whatever. And then it would, you know, plug and chug and, and create this, this um, you know, a schedule for you, right? Which would then, you know, base it on the geo, what would be the optimal route? What would be, right. how do you maximize your time there? Um, you know, dealing with these kind of things. Um So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, lots of different ideas. I mean, today, I I still think it's a good idea. I still think that it's something that is, you know, definitely relevant and something that can be automated for sure. But, you know, I guess so, you know, going into what you had asked about. Yeah. So, you know, I guess the the biggest mistake that I had made, though, was planning too big. And I know that sounds silly, but really, you can't build a startup without going brick by brick, right? I was trying to build a mansion. And so I had built a blueprint for a mansion, right? And and you can't do that. You build one room first, right? And and you create value for the customers. You got to keep yourself afloat. You got to keep yourself alive. Right. Every step counts. And so yes, I had, you know, I, I basically I had spent so much time planning the algorithm, planning like the, the the future, planning how the automations would happen and things like that. And I was planning these blueprints when I didn't even have the basic pieces yet, right? Where I was just thinking, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do this anyways. I, I might as well build the foundations for it, right? Um, and that was very arrogant of me, right? I guess I, I was assuming I would survive, you know, three, four years or, you know, however long the startup would need um, without first really understanding and answering the question okay well what are you doing for customers today right and 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 how are you doing something there right so unless you already have a bunch of funding and you're doing like nuclear fission or something like that you already have the funding you need to collect all of it okay right but for most startups for most businesses right you got to do it brick by brick right um and so that was my mistake right I, i i had thought too much too big um and and didn't think about what was immediately in front of me
1: Got it. All right. Now, obviously, I know how that feels. I can empathize on so many levels when you had to to really let let go. But this is also the hardest part: bouncing back from the failure. i I'm, I want to understand first from London all the way, you know, uh, to the other side of the world to, to the Philippines to work in Coins.ph, How did that even happen? Because I think by getting here, you so far you haven't left. And you you <laughs> fallen in love with the country a little bit, but I also know the feeling of shit, I just failed i don't work I don't wanna work for anyone, but I have to and it it felt like shit every single time, <laughs> right but you gotta you gotta deliver right, and you know somehow you're gonna get your flow back. but what was that like uh you know finding coins and you know slogging through those first few days or weeks? <laughs> Where you're trying to mend your ego and your hustling heart asks you to try to deliver value to the companies you work for now.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I I can't say that my ego has been fully mended by that. You know, oh, wow. it never, uh, <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> no, it's true. It never but
1: leaves. It never so leaves.
2: Well. Right. but necessary, right? And and you know, I, even even going back before Bucket, even thinking about my my previous companies and things, like yeah, there are there are things that I look back on and I. You know, still cringe, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, I, what the I took shots I that. There. that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I definitely <laughs> did not hit all of my shots, and so, right? Um, no, for sure, it, it was. um It sucks, right? Especially because it was all my own money and my 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 own savings and everything like that. And of course, nobody wants to see their company go down, and you know, all of my the, the employees that I had at the time, and uh, you know, just not not a good experience overall, right? But as you said, right? I mean. It, it is what it is, right? I knew I knew that that was totally a likely output uh, not like, well, yeah, likely output. You know, um, you know, m- you know, most startup founders don't succeed. That's just the reality of it, right? Um, so you know, I knew that going in. So as bruised as my ego was, you know, it, it, it's okay, right? You you go back on, you get back on the horse, and you find the next big thing, right? So, um. Yeah, so I, I I came back to the Philippines. So when I was, you know, London was great. I, again, I loved it. I loved the the country. I loved the city. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was nothing compared to my time here in Southeast Asia. Right. Again, I, I loved what I was doing when I was in Indonesia and Singapore. And um, you know, the reason why I left the U.S. was because I, I wanted to be a part of the growth, not just you know. Um, you know, it's a little bit different there, right? And, and it's the same kind of environment in, the, in, in London as well, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, the opportunities here to build and to do things, to get experience is really incredible, right? Like, I really don't know if, if, if everyone really understands just how, you know, just how good it is here, right? So I knew Southeast Asia would, would be the place for me to go. Um, it was between Indonesia and the Philippines for sure. Um, but, uh, I guess the other factor is that now uh, during that time in Singapore and London, I was also very fortunate to meet, uh, a girl uh, who is now my go. fiance, who is also happens to be, you so that also helps make the decision mm-hmm. a little bit easier. Um, you know, coming back to the Philippines, um, you know, where there's already a bit of a, a, a community and, you know, mentors that I had already you know, been looking up to at the time.
1: Got it. Perfect. Now. Let's talk about Crevers. So, okay. You were there in coins for, for a bit again. Now you've acclimated to the Philippines. Well, why, what made you push and now try it again? And still why, with, 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 with that hurting heart. Uh, but again, that hurting heart actually is important because still now, like when I, when shit hits the fan, just this sharing. The one thing that scares me the most is I don't want to ever experience that failure again. yeah the rest fuck the rest but i'm not gonna fail again right it's just just like i don't want to ever want to fucking have to let go people because you know it was my fault so um i want to make sure that at least i don't feel that thing again That, that that's a scary and painful thought even but when you started craver's canteen what made you try again and how did you how did craver's canteen come to life Yeah, so,
2: um, yeah, I was with Coins then for for a while, right, Um, you know, making, uh, you know, doing different projects, and it was already gotten acquired by Gojek, it's supposed to be working on new projects and things like that, Um, which was, I mean, which was nice, right, Um, and and fun and all, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I was looking, at some point, I always knew that I was going to do my own thing again, I always knew that, you know, building my own startup would, would happen. Yeah. Um, and so, in in 2019, you know, when I had, when I had already landed and you know, kind of uh, looking around, seeing what I wanted to attach to, um, that was actually around the time that Travis Kalanick, the you know, the oh, wow. founder and CEO of Uber, had had founded his startup, uh, his Cloud Kitchen, literally called Cloud Kitchens, right? So he even basically coined the term. Um, and, and he made global headlines because he he raised like $400 million from some Saudi prints or something like that. Right. Yeah. So, so suddenly everyone was like, oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. What, what is this, right? What, what is this cloud kitchen model and, and why, you know, why is this so big? What does it actually mean? And so, yeah. Okay. The basic principle, pretty straightforward, right? You serve food for for takeout and delivery. You focus on that segment, you know, Uber Eats is obviously very big and, and all of the things. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, basically the, the assessment was that, you know, food delivery was very new to the Philippines at the time. Um, grab food only came into the Philippines in 2018, man. It's kind of yeah. kind of crazy to think about, right? And think about how regular it is a part of people's lives now. And 2018 right, is when it was introduced. I mean, Food Panda a couple of years before that. But the point is that it's still very new, right? Less than a, less than a decade um, and, and still right, still very young but lots of opportunity right there's this entire ecosystem that's being built around it how many billions of you know dollars that are that are flowing through this ecosystem so surely there's an opportunity here in cloud kitchens right so you know at the time with then we were you know forming this group of people um you know uh, of course my co-founders um, also guys like Paolo and Chris Poe and you know people that were from the industry that were from here that really. You know, we're seeing the same thing, right? There's something here, right? We don't exactly know what it is, but there's something here, right? Um, And so that was the origin, right? We were saying, okay, let's test it out. Let's kind of see, let's build the first kitchen. Let's run a couple of ideas. Let's run a built tea brand, let's do this, right? And we started out kind of, you know, trickling things along. Um, And so we incorporated, you know, uh, January, 2020. Um, We started building our kitchen, February, 2020. Uh, lockdown hit March 2020,
1: <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> so so our wow. construction,
2: unfortunately, wasn't finished, so we couldn't wow. actually get open until a couple of months later, right. right, but when the lockdowns hit, and, you know, we, and I realized, like, well, shit, this is here to stay, this is not it leaving helps. anytime soon, right, it, it helps, I mean, that was every signal, right, that, um, right. yeah, I mean, Coins is great, I I loved working with, you know, Ron is a uh, really incredible entrepreneur, and, you know, another uh, great mentor to many, I know, and so, um, you know, as, as great as that was, really, that was the decision, right? Um, COVID lockdowns, okay, cloud kitchens, this is, this is it, right? So, um, you know, that was when you know both me and and my other co-founder Vic had you know left our full time duties at our other companies and um, started working on Gravers, right? So. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the origin. Um, you know, in the beginning, we were just really experimenting with different models, different, right. different things that we had seen other people doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, from there, it really just evolved, right? Experimenting, adapting, building, demolishing, rebuilding, um, until we got to where we are today, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and again, that's perfect timing also, right? Uh, at first, when you look at the pandemic hitting and then lockdowns on lockdowns and lockdowns were happening, that really scared a lot of people. And then this is until you literally see the light at the end of the tunnel it's like, Oh my God, it's a brand new horizon. And this is perfect for us because now we're, 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 we're empowering this whole, um, economy, especially in delivery became a norm at that point. But a couple of things I really wanted to find out here, because again, traction like this does not come in as, as a fluke, right? There's methods to the madness here. There's a there's a real formula to how you're able to take advantage of opportunity because everybody saw the same opportunity. You know how many people were trying to sell on Facebook Marketplace at that time and whatnot. But you know, cloud kitchens really took an exponential growth, and you're one of the very, or not the biggest um, player that really took advantage of this. What led to that growth and being able to take advantage of that opportunity? Because everybody saw that opportunity, but it's very few that actually thrived in it that are still actually thriving now. What were those things you did right uh, at the very start?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I wish I could take credit for that. Um, But definitely, it's, uh, you know, the broader group, my co founders, um, you know, the the founding partners, all of us, you know, couldn't happen without really the the people that we had brought on. Yeah. Um so you know kind of tying back to what we were talking about earlier, where you know you always want to ask this question, well, what makes me different from them, right? What makes right. me, why, why can't I be just like that? Um and so when I when I had joined um and met these great people and literally I mean the guys on our board were talking about Paulo Campos, Chris Paul, you know, the chairman of Sitchan Century, Shakespeare. Um, you know, Lance Kokongwe, Brian Koo, and you were like wings. right? These are guys that have already built some of the biggest companies here in the Philippines. And so uh, obviously it's an honor to be working with them and to be in that same atmosphere and to push myself to ask, even today, right? I'm still constantly asking, okay, well, what makes me different for them? How do I get a little bit better? How do I get a little bit better? But as much as I hold that mentality towards them, what makes them really great is that they still do the same thing, right? They still push themselves in that exact same way. And so I remember one of our very early discussions, we were talking with Chris and um, uh, about what our plans were and stuff. And, um, you know, for me, I was just thinking, okay, Cloud Kitchen, let's make, you know, let's make a few bucks and let's, you know, let's figure out what this is. But he was saying, oh, well, why don't we? Why can't we be the next Jollibee? Why can't we build? You know, like what, what's stopping us from doing this? Like why why can't we do this? Right? Why can't? And and, and so was, for them it was like the no-brainers. Like, okay, well look, we've seen other people. Do it. They've seen the best of the best of the best, right? Um, and and to them they're asking that same question. Well, why can't we also do that, right? And and for me that was such a shock, right? I was thinking, like, oh my God, like, how am I supposed to compete? Like you know, like how are you going to ask me to compete with these? It's, it, you know, it's very humbling, but them it was a no-brainer right and and so that i think is really why i why we were so fortunate because like yeah i mean they they see these things they see what we could be they dream even bigger right um than, than i could have and, and then now it's my job just to say okay all right okay we can do Let's it, do right. it. <laughs> <laughs> so so my job is just to keep up right, <laughs> to, right. To, to keep up with these, these guys um you know you know they say something okay do it as fast as you can because you know every minute every piece of advice is gold right and Absolutely. and, and, and i I've, I've learned to appreciate that and mm-hmm. um yeah i mean they push me to be better other people push them to be better and you know it, it and, and that's really I think what makes and breaks you know great businessmen great business women right
1: correct and if you have access to that type of network <laughs> I don't care where you are what you do <laughs> man it's not every day you'll never these are once in a lifetime opportunities that so you have Definitely. access to that network. I don't care how hard it is. You stay because yeah. when you stay and really tough it out, eventually that thing again has a trickle down effect and will rub up on you, but you cannot do it alone. So Vic, what did you uh, do with, with, uh, with your team and how you made sure that whatever was thought of during those intense meetings or, you know, those, those, those big dreams come to fruition. How did you surround yourself with the right co-founders and the right team to really execute, and then do this fast?
2: Yeah. Um, so, learning experience for sure, because um, you know, I guess in my previous startups or whatever, I was hiring people that were generally more junior than me right generally people that that i could you know give them very specific instructions and tell them what to do and these things but in this space right i mean i don't come from a food background right and we're running as much as we are you know trying to be a tech company and and developing these systems and these other, you know all of these things at the end of the day we're still very much a food company right um and so yeah i mean i need i knew that i needed to surround myself with people that knew stuff better than me right i can't work with people that I need to instruct, because I need their experience, I need their knowledge, right and 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 their voice, right? to also come in. Um, and then from there, right the other, so so we had worked with a lot of different people. We had worked with a lot of different kind of personas from all of the different you know food groups, all of the different e-commerces that we we're trying to really collect. and And what I had realized was that we can't just hire people that come from food, right Just as much as I didn't come from food. It helps to have people that come from these different experiences, that come from these other backgrounds, that have they're bringing in their unique perspectives and challenging mo- most importantly, for me, challenging each other, right? Um, so so the, even between the three co-founders, right? So so Eric D, um, you know president of the Foodie group, obviously comes from the food background. Uh, myself coming from the tech background, and our third co-founder, Vic, um, uh, really comes from the finance background. Uh, very, very different backgrounds, very, very different experiences. Um, all of us are certainly alphas, right? We all butt heads, and but in a, in a healthy way, right? It has to be in a healthy way. It has to be in a way that we're challenging each other and pushing each other. Don't accept anything for face value, right? Um, and so yeah i mean that 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 helps a lot um and then we very much instill that in all of our employees right all of our managers even down to the junior levels i tell i, I interview every single person that we hire right? every single person that we hire i talk to and, and the reason is because i want to make sure that they fit right that they're that they understand what they're signing up for they're not signing up to work in a Bee, they're not signing up to work um you, you know in any traditional business not only as a startup but also I'm like I tell them right away, I'm going to push you harder than you've ever been pushed. Like you better mm-hmm. be there's a rocket in
1: you, my man. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, That's definitely how I definitely, operate eh? too. That's how I operate as well. Uh,
2: yeah. So 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 as much as I tell them that, I, you know, I also make sure I let them know. Like, look, if you disagree with me, I fully expect you to disagree with me to my face, right? And 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 I don't want them to be afraid. And I, and, I, and I you know try to we try to create that space where you know, people can really speak their minds and things like that. Because I think, I, I think that it's important, really, not just for our own growth, but also for the growth of our team. You know, the more you disagree, the more they learn, the more they learn, the more you get in sync, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, healthy, healthy, um, what would be the correct term for this? Uh, I don't know. Healthy not even conflict. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's, those, um, it's those little battles that really bring out the best. Because as long as you're on the same North Star, right? If you're looking for at the same North star, these little squabbles are not really because most fights in a corporate setting would be like, Hey, I'm trying to do this. because I'm I'm trying to prove that I'm better than you. Right. Which is not because if you're have the same objective, you're trying to get uh, to the best way to get there as you're trying to build the ladder or the the vessel that will get you to the same North star. And it doesn't matter if you're a CEO or a co-founder and whatnot, or a, a new uh, uh, an employee that just recently got hired. If you think you have conviction, if we can, especially if you can defend your idea and also back it up with action to help us get there, then by all means, right? I'm pretty sure this is how you also do it. You're willing to step back and let you run the show if you're, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna get the win for us because all of us are just trying to be competitive here we all like <laughs> to win and we all like to make money that's what it is alright now let's take our last break and when we come back let's talk about getting that three million dollar check <laughs> and how you then scaled and got your series A well let's talk about that more after the break mm-hmm. has to be covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax taxpaying stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eth, payroll-starter-monthly-5k, or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly really matters. Learn in flexible tenors with hashtag UNOBoost. we're Back in the break, we are still with Victor Lin, who then told us how he was able to build and scale and again uh, survive, not to survive and thrive, uh, having yeah. in the being in those intense meetings. But again, uh, the team uh, you have is already there. But again, the team, regardless of how good the team is, if you don't know how to operate properly, right, you this ain't gonna work, especially during a pandemic where there's so many question marks out there and things just change uh, as well. But walk me through these first little wins that you got right off the bat that allowed you to really gain that specific traction, whatever metrics you were trying to hit. Yeah,
2: sure. So, um, you know, I guess early on, uh, you know, creating food, being able to pump it out of a kitchen. Okay, sure. There's a business in there, and and you know, there's some money to be made there for sure. Um, but of course, not what we, you know, not exactly what we wanted to be doing in the long run, right? We didn't want to just be building food for the rest of forever, right? We, you know, really wanted to kind of think about how are we using and understanding the cloud kitchen model, um, you know, uh, for for the long term, right? What does it actually mean? for us but for the ecosystem as a whole right and then of course uh, yes first and foremost for us because that's how we make money into the greater ecosystem then we're we're, right the question is is no longer about us just being another player but then how big of a slice of the pie can we have right um and so that's why we always wanted to think about things in the perspective of how are we where are we going to be in a few years from now how are we going to embed ourselves there Right, and so yeah, we were thinking bid. We were thinking about a, the ahead of those steps, right? But unlike my time at Bucket, from day one, we all were already asking, okay, well, how do we make money today, right? So what are the things that we can do today? How do we focus on getting the food out? How do we focus on reaching customers, showing that traction, showing this proof of concept, right? When you're when you're first starting out, no matter who you are, no matter what your startup is, you, you got to show proof of concept, right? That's the very very basic first step. Right. So, you know, early on, we were, uh, of course, we, you know, had to send a lot of food to a lot of people, give away free food, have people try, right? Just get people to know about it, get people to talk about it, give us their advice, tell us what they want. Uh, You know, who doesn't love being a food critic, right? (laughs) We send food to. (laughs) Where was I doing these things? What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Right. We had like a whole list and everything, right? So people people were just getting all of this food and. Wow. but I mean, so so it helped, right? And and to this day, those people are, you know, like a, a loyal ambassadors, right? And they, they're so happy because also they saw our growth, right? From from the time that we were cooking out of these little, you know, the little portable stoves that you buy yeah, for like yeah. 2,000 pesos. That's what we started on, man. Like we didn't, <laughs> like, you know, separate gas tanks, like trying to like, you know, R&D in this tiny little kitchen and, you know, um so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, from day one, we were really figuring out, okay, what do we need to do? How do we make money right how do we get proof of concept that people want to buy what we have to put out right um so that that was a big part of it yes um and and to understand the baby steps and obviously how can we run a large-scale cloud kitchen if we aren't the experts in cloud kitchens um so you know the idea was very much to continue building brands continue going through this experience so we can understand all of the pain points all of the requirements and the things that we need right now as we were going then, and, and we understood, okay, well, shit, there's a lot of challenges to operating a food brand online, right? Which is why as many, you know, as thousands of these different entrepreneurs and food groups and, and food, you know, people came up, not everybody was able to win because it's hard. I mean, it's not easy when Grab, you know, they launched 20,000 brands or whatever, right? And how can you make yourself stand out? It's it, even for these larger scale brands, right? It's 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 a challenge. Um and so that's when then we thought, okay, well, here we have this property that's much larger than what we actually need. Now, what what else can we do, right, and that's where then we took a bit of inspiration from the other cloud kitchen models that we had seen around the world, the Kalanick model, where, you know, they were dividing up the kitchens into smaller sub kitchens and working with these partner brands, right. Um, and so that's what we did. We said, okay, well, sure, we can cut this kitchen up. We can create a small kitchen here, a small kitchen here, right? We ended up like reinforcing the second floor so we could put more kitchens there, right? And, and doing all of these things so we can really try to maximize. It was like this little random house in Capitolio that we had found. And we just created all of these rooms, created all of these kitchens. And of course it was a nightmare. I mean, the first time we did it, of course there were so many, so many mistakes, <laughs> right? And, and so many things that went wrong that we built and right. rebuilt. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, so, so we had done that, we had seen the opportunity that that there was something there that we could explore, um, you know, with these other models. And so then so then the question was, OK, well, who do we bring in? Anyway, so the very first partner that we had brought in was Tiger Sugar, um, you know, who had Ooh. done really well and they were expanding. And I'm thirsty. Um, <laughs> uh you know and so they were a big name and then um you know we had we had met with several other partners we had you know everybody at the time was saying okay well what the hell is cloud kitchens what does it mean for my business how do we get started right and there are really a lot of people asking what it meant so finding meetings getting those meetings wasn't the problem right as long as we said hey we're doing cloud kitchens we could service you if you wanted, right they would say yes right um at least to a meeting right so then the question is how do you close them right and and so then that's where this um Yeah, I mean, the question is then, okay, well, how do we, this no-name brand that, you know, just started, why Mm. would any serious brand trust us, right? Mm. Why would anyone build in our kitchens as opposed to, you know, building their own? What would stop them from building their own, really, right? Right. Right. and so what we realized was, yeah, I mean, same as, you know, questions before is how do we add value to these guys, right? And mm-hmm. so what we had realized is, okay, well, if we're going to get these big fish, we got to make sure that it's worth every penny for them, right? So, yeah. you know, we, we deck it out, right? We, we, we put the tiles in, we set everything up. All they have to do is bring in their equipment, plug in and, and get live within a week, right? So that was wow. the, the whole idea, right? And then we take, you know, we take a small percentage, not even enough to make, you know, not even enough to really make so much money. But yeah. when you're working with these bigger brands... It helps, right? I mean, you get the traction, you get the, the credibility. Um, we show them that it works. We show the rest of the market that it works, and you know, most importantly, I think it was the education aspect, right? Where people still didn't know what it was, and when we talk about it from the context of our own brands, right? They still don't totally understand because we're blending a lot of different topics. But then, we, when we say, "Hey, um, you know, we just signed uh, Taco Bell; they're they're moving in," so obviously, everyone knows. Okay, Taco Bell, Dairy Queen; these are brands that they know that you know then contextually it makes more sense okay so they can come in and we share the space and you know we're servicing out this way and that way right so then it becomes a little bit more clear what it is that we do and 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 how it differs for the customer right. You know, prior to that, I guess people were really thinking about cloud kitchens as people cooking out of their homes and you know, sending out food. You're kind of a bit shady, (laughs) like, where is this really coming from? Right. But as soon as you say, Look, it's coming from the same place that's good enough for Taco Bell, that's good enough for Dairy Queen, right? Well, okay, clearly, right? Clearly, there's some level of standard, right? And 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 that helps, right? Nice,
1: that's amazing. Now, with all of these, right, scale is always, traction is there. And again, timing is, is also perfect. But at the end of the day, you need resources to keep making these kitchens and to make sure that, you know, you keep up with the demand and the supply that you need to do, especially in the fundraising aspect. Now, walk me through how you guys did your first raise all the way to what helped you unlock this massive $3 million Series A by Quest. Jespre Sia, again, who, who just wrote, wrote his first check for the Philippines with Cravers. But how? Do, walk me through that process of going pre-seed or seed all the way to A.
2: Yeah, so uh, from inception, right, so from the time that we had started, um, you know, again, we were a bit of a syndicated group already, um, by the time we had incorporated. So, uh, you know, our, our startup fund, our incorporation fund was something like, um, like 10 million pesos, right. Um, wow. 200, you know, $200,000, which is, um, just enough to build one kitchen. Right. Wow. Um, and so we, uh, you know, one kitchen plus some operations, right. Some basic, basic stuff. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, basically we, we had took, we took the money, we started to construct, um, and, uh, and then and then the lockdown happened right so for several yeah. months we were then just paying rent and, and just paying all of these expenses and paying these things where i mean obviously things didn't go according to plan right um and and they never do right regardless of mm. pandemic or not right they never go yep. according to plan um but again so so this before before even asking for any additional money before asking for anything else right it, it, i'm not going to go back and ask them for money if i can't show some sort of progress right some sort of um, you know, development in, in, in terms of, okay, well, what's next, right? What would, what would convince them to build the second kitchen, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's where then we we're pumping out food at any given cost, right? And um, oh. or, or not sorry, not at any given cost, I'm saying growth, right? And, and doing whatever we had to do, right? Hustling to, to really be able to, to get the product out there to show, look, people like our burgers, people like our, our sushi, day, people like our food, right? And, um, you know, we're still figuring things out. But look, this is all the progress we've made. These are the things that we've done. Here's the partnerships that we've signed. Um, you know, we've been busy, right? Pandemic hasn't stopped us, right? We, we you know, we're able to, you know, these are all the things that we can do despite having our hands tied behind our back, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we didn't raise funds after that for, for a while until, wow. until we were able to get that, that first kitchen up, right? And, um, you know, first kitchen, obviously, lots of hiccups, lots of different things to do, um, you know, lots of learnings uh, certainly didn't go well. I mean, uh, you know, certainly didn't go perfectly. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. uh, you know, lots of, lots of different issues, um, which is you know, challenging in its own right. Um, and then going from one kitchen to two kitchens was an entirely new set of challenges um you know in terms of consistency management quality and you know uh, uh, dealing with so many different things dealing with these new challenges right so going from zero to one is always you know one of the hardest challenges right um one to two is a pretty substantial challenge as well but then two onwards then it's just a question of okay well how rational are you being with your money how rational are you being with your growth um and how how much risk do you want to take correct right um and so, yeah, I mean, uh, we'd already sign all of these contracts and do all of these things, um, but it also, right, you can't bite off more than you can chew, right? So then that's where it also makes sure that, you know, it's also important to have strong co-founders, I think, right? That's yes, um, people, people to talk to people to disagree with you right people to tell you when you're being crazy right and i mean sometimes people will tell you you're crazy and you can disregard it right or whatever but if it's your co-founder right you you build this understanding you build this trust and you say like look okay with mutual respect let's decide on what you know um you know what really works for us right what works for our business um so we had to again brick by brick step by step right kitchen by kitchen um, you know, in terms of the next milestone. Okay, first question. Okay, how do we get to the second kitchen? Okay, once we get to the second kitchen, how much are we going to raise for for the next kitchen, right? And taking it step by step.
1: But raising A in twenty twenty two isn't easy. right? <laughs> again, what 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 made you right, or what, what 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 did you guys do to help Quest make the first investment in the Philippines ever? Because again, a lot of a lot of startups have been knocking on their doors, but for them to Pull the trigger with you guys says a lot, right? But what, what what was that like?
2: Yeah, so Quest was certainly a tough one. Yes, um. <laughs> a resounding uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and and, and it's tough for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I mean, so they're backed by billion capital. Which Massic Fund, um, so they have very, very high due diligence processes. Very, very, very careful. They want to make sure that you know they're really picking the right partners. They really dive into everything. That's a lo- you know, longest due diligence process ever. Um, but on top of that, you know, prior to them coming in, I mean, we were just working with all, you know, local investors, um, I guess a couple months before Quest came in, you know, we had signed on Foxmont as well, um, which I guess is how, it, um, yeah. Anyways, so, you know, we had signed Foxmont as well, um, uh, prior to that, but it was really a yeah. more like, I guess, um, a lot of it was, uh, a bit more, let's say casual or it wasn't as kind of stringent, right. And, and we were kind of just figuring things out along the way, but suddenly comes in Quest and they're saying okay, look, if you want to play in the big boy field, right, you got to you gotta do X, Y, Z, right? And and, and you got to, right? Um, yeah, I mean, basically, we, we had to step it up to a global level, right? Because, sure, Series A, we can get through with, with, um, you know, we probably could have gotten by with local investors. I mean, obviously, the investors that we have, you know, wouldn't have a problem, you know, pulling in from their war chests to put in. But the question that we had asked and, and, and ourselves and that we were planning for was, okay, well, who do we want for Series B? Because if we are whoever we pick for Series A is certainly a huge part of who we're going to get for Series B, and similarly, whoever we pick for Seed would also be very important yep. for Series A, right? Who, who, whoever leads you around, the partners that you pick are so incredibly important to you, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, so so we had met Quest as an introduction via uh, Foxmont, um, yep. who had led our Seed round before that, um, and. Yeah, so we you know they they uh, they liked our business model, they liked our team, of course. We had some you know brand names on there, right? Um and yes. not only from the food side but also the people side. Mm-hmm um but that's not enough to get them to invest right it's not just about the names um uh, i mean there's really a lot of other factors we really had to show like they, they were studying cloud kitchens around the world as well they had already invested into several other cloud kitchens as well around the region so they nice. knew what they were talking about they mm-hmm. knew the challenges they knew the limitations um and they challenged us asked us so many different questions and and asked us our opinions about everything um and fortunately uh you know I, I love to talk, I love, I love what I'm doing, I love this business. So I can talk about Craybridge for you know, hours and hours and hours. Yep. So I had already thought about all of these things, right? I had already yep. thought about what would happen in this situation, what I think about that, what I think about this, right? Um, and so I think it was really kind of that, like a couple of different elements, right? Not only were we you know, a good team that had shown some traction with some good names, but we had shown and proven that we're not just in this to, to make a quick buck and exit, Yep. Right, we're not just trying to hack the system. Like we're genuinely trying to build something, right? And we're genuinely trying to have this impact. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, so so being able to show that I think was uh, was certainly a big uh, attraction for Quest, right? Um, and then yeah, I mean, just I think they also had uh, you know a bit of foresight into things, like you know when we were talking about who we wanted for series B and who we wanted for right. you know planning ahead and these things. I think they were also very much. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess they're pretty used to seeing that, but I mean, it helps, right? To, it helps to show that we've thought about this, right? We've nice. we thought about what we would want to be doing even before we've done it, right? Um, and we've, you know, had long disputes about this. We, you know, again, between the co-founders, between come, we butt heads all the time, right?
1: <laughs> um, well, as and, long as and, you eat while you're butting heads, that's <laughs> all. <good. laughs> yeah,
2: all, all of our meetings were all well-fed. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah you know it's it's it was tough right but we knew that look we have we have to get these guys right if they ask us to do something boom next day it's done right um and and you know uh, jeff had asked eric hey can you fly out to singapore boom next day he was in singapore you know like um like uh, these things matter as well right Right. i mean your investors are your partners right um they got to believe that their money is not a, not only going into business that makes sense, that has a good model, but that yeah, he knows that I'm gonna take care of this, right? That we're gonna yeah. take care of this, that we're gonna take care of his investment, that we're gonna take care of his money, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 if it if it doesn't work out, like yeah, it's gonna hurt me a lot more than it hurts that, right? Like, Absolutely. And, and he can see that, right? And he knows that, right? So um I think that's very important, right? I mean, they always say investors invest into founders, right? Less less the business, right? And Cheers. um Yeah, I mean, having that conviction, having the right partners and having those things is certainly very important. Um, And yeah, there's other things as well, like the traction and the business model and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, all all of these things got to get together, particularly if you're going to go, you know, for for the big things, right?
1: Got it. All right. Now, last few questions before I let you go. Um, You have very tough competition. I have never (laughs) seen competition like this in, in any space uh, and, and you know there's there's a few like you know Pay my Grab, uh you know Pay my Grab and Gcash that's a holy triumvirate and whatnot, but this is big boy game type competitions that I'm seeing, and there's a three is this a, a three horse race at the moment and there's smaller ones also, but how do you even operate in such a cutthroat, you know um. Environment or or sector where all you three are pretty fucking good at what y'all doing, right? So, (laughs) how do you, uh, from from your perspective, how do you keep competing and uh, you know being in a position to win? Because unfortunately, this is not zero sum. It's not a winner take all. There's always room for everybody. But I'm pretty sure at the back of your head, man, I don't want to be number two. I don't want to be number three. I want to be fucking number one, right? (laughs) What are those things you guys do to you know compete?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, for sure, of course, we keep our eyes very, very closely on our competitors, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and, and things that, um, you know, are relevant for us. And no one wants to be number two, for sure. Um, (laughs) uh, But, you know, again, I mean, same same as uh, the mentalities before is, well, okay, I mean, number one, you're right. The pie is so large. The pie is continually growing. And actually, having players like that makes us much stronger. I'm sure that if it exactly. was any one of us independently, our growth would have been probably slower, right? Exactly. I mean, we would have we wouldn't have been pushed as hard to really try to outdo each other. Um, mm-hmm. And ultimately, all of this is going in towards building this greater pie, right? And mm-hmm. the more we can convince customers to order from any one of us, right? Um, you know, the the better it is for all of us, so to speak, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I, I happily welcome you know, the competition. Um, you know, particular, uh, I mean, very strong female founders, very strong, uh, well, very strong founders, right? Um, yep. That that are leading the teams, uh, highly respectable, very influential, um, and yeah, again, they 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 push me to be much stronger. They push me to uh, you know to to be a better version of myself, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's less about worrying. Oh my gosh, they're doing this much in sales. Oh, you know, it's it's less about that. Really, more just okay. Well, shit, there's someone there, right? She's doing a fantastic job. Um, I got to do better. Step you know, up, not, right? not not better than her, but I got to do better myself. Exactly. I got to keep pushing, right? I got to, you know. And 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 it helps. Honestly, it helps. It helps to see someone else doing the same thing, um, yeah, you know. And 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 to see, okay, like uh, right. Look, we're we're in in a way like we're we're in this together, right? And exactly. it's the same thing as you know, Zora Lazada coming in at the same time, right? Um, or, or I mean, like uh, all of these, all of the major kind of e-commerces are in Indonesia. Right? Grab and Gojek coming in at the same time, right? And yep. you know, it, it it makes you it makes you stronger as a company, Correct. right? And it gives more cost uh, options to the customers. It makes things more exciting. Um, yep, it's more fun, fun.
0: Uh, to be honest.
2: <laughs> because
1: again, you're competing. You know that there's very respectable competition and you cannot help to coast, right? Because you know that at the end of the day, again, as much as you are competitive, well, the founders of the, the other companies are also as competitive as you, right? But again, you're not in there to like, oh, I'm going to kill them all, right? That's not, that's not, that's <laughs> not the goal. You just want to make sure that, you know, on a daily basis you put in the work because you have to have that mindset that, you know, somebody can just take that all away from you. And, you know, it it's, you want to give yourself a fighting chance to, to, to win at the end of the day. But Victor, last, last few questions. Actually, last question. So you now have 3m, and it's a tough competition. What's next for, for Craver's canteen now as you really you know blaze through this and you know especially as the world opens up with this pandemic, but pandemic uh, actually looking to end very soon. Yeah.
2: So, um, you know, admittedly, uh, the last few months have been quite challenging, right? Um, with the reopenings and everything, I mean, I'm going out very frequently now, you know, having meetings out and, you know, and, um, you know yeah, I, I don't feel guilty about it, right? I mean, I, I love going out. I love dining out, right? <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't, who, you know, who, who's not excited to go and do that, right? Um, and, and so we always knew that this would come, right? We always knew the day would come when, when you know, the pandemic would no longer cripple us so much, um, but that you know that's not that doesn't mean that you know the cloud kitchen opportunity is disappearing right it's still right. there right it just means that we need to shift gears a little bit right we need to you know we need to change our approach right offline coming back um, presents challenges yes but it also presents opportunities right, right. Um, so even, I mean the earlier you were talking about when we were you know in in partnership with Summit we you know had funded that event or sponsored that event. Um, you know, supplying food for everybody, and yeah, I mean, if you think about the people who were at the event, it was some of the most influential people in the the, yeah. you know, the entire ecosystem that we were serving food to, right? Um, so, so offline, you know, offline events and these things present opportunities for us as well, right? You just got to look for them and you just got to see what's coming back, right? Music festivals will be coming back soon, right? Go. Imagine eating some some Cravers, you know? At yes, <laughs> there you uh, go. I mean, uh, food trucks, I mean, all of these different, I mean, so, so many different applications for things that, that can be, you know, that can be doing. Um, and and of course we want to chase them all, but at the same time, we got to make sure it makes sense, right? Um, but, you know, overall, so how I would answer that question is, you know we're we're putting our money into figuring out what do what do the customers want now right we're not we're not in 2020 2021 anymore where yeah yeah food delivery was everything right that was mm-hmm. the only thing right so now the question is how do we level up our game right mm-hmm. how do we step up right which is why one of the first things that we did with the new funds that we got was to launch this whole cravers food Hall thing right? where we, we, we wanted to create something that was more interactive um you know something that had uh it was just a bit more exciting, right, than your typical thing because, yeah, I mean, where where there are limitations on cloud kitchens, um, you know, we can't uh, create all of the same experiences as dine in. So, what can we do, right? How do we use our digital digital nativity to our advantage, right? What can we yeah. do that a brick and mortar can't do, right? Yeah.
1: That is super exciting and amazing. Thank you very much, Victor. But before I let you go, if people want to reach out again uh take advantage and invite people over. Where should they go to find and eat your food? And if they have ideas of how uh they can work with you or whatnot, where do they go and how do they do that?
2: Yeah, so um you can always find us at cravers.com. Um just the K. Uh so k-r-a-b-e-r-s. Um, or i mean if you're if you're a brand if you're trying to grow your brand um you know through our network or you just want to learn more uh, you're happy to reach out to us anytime you know hello at cravers.com or you know bd at cravers.com if you're if you're a brand that's looking to get uh, uh, you know to, to, to start getting connected um, but yeah, you know, we we love to hear. I mean, from from anyone, right? Even if you're even if you're not a brand, even if you're just generally interested to know more, you're you're looking to get more plugged into the to the startup ecosystem and things like that. Um, you know, really, uh, you know, great to, to, to connect with different people. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's where you can find us.
1: That is amazing. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast app that you're listening to. And if we did say some jargon, don't worry. It's going to be the show notes on HustleShare.com. And if you also want to be part of the community, it's going to be in the HustleShare community on Facebook. Again, Victor, thank you very much.
2: Thanks so much. Looking forward to to coming back. (laughs) All right. And I'll see you guys in the next
1: episode. Peace.